0: All righty. Good morning once again. Good morning. That's better. All right. We'll warm up a little bit here. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So as I've been saying a couple times along this morning, we're celebrating All Saints Day today. Um, All Saints Day actually falls on November 1st, but we celebrate it the following Sunday. So this Sunday always follows um, Reformation Sunday. Um, this is a day for us not only to reflect, or maybe I should say, a day for us to reflect on those who, uh, the loved ones who have passed, like I said earlier, either this year or in years past, just to honor their their legacy. So, so All Saints Day, alright, so I want to just kind of wrap or get our minds wrapped around this whole concept, what this whole thing is all about. Um, and the way we do that is around here we start defining some of the terms that we use, some of the terms about these All Saints, right? So what exactly is a saint should be our question if we talk about All Saints Day. What does that mean, right? So and we shouldn't be afraid to ask these questions, what we're going to talk about here in the future in just a few minutes. Um, we hear these, uh, these terms tossed around, right? And um, you hear, you know, St. Paul, Minnesota, right? You hear all these churches named St. Paul or St. Peter's or, or St. Luke's or um, you hear about St. Patrick, right? That we'll, we'll talk about him in a couple months, right? We'll talk about St. Patrick in a couple of months. Come on, you're from Wisconsin, all right? St. Patrick's Day, all right. Last week I mentioned St. Anne when we were talking about Martin Luther. St. Anne, of course, is the patron saint of horseback riding. Somebody actually got this at the first service, all right? So we talked about that last week. You guys are a tough crowd this morning, but I'm going to keep going, all right? So when we present it like that, the word saint like that, St. Paul, St. Luke, all these saints, it sounds like an exclusive term. But I'm here to tell you this morning that this term saint is actually an inclusive term. I have no idea how this happened. I have no idea when it happened or when we started putting saints on pedestals and started making it an exclusive club. But um, the word saint, when we see it in the Bible about well, 60 some odd times, it's always plural, by the way. Um, when we see the word saint in the Bible, it's from the Greek word hagios. And fair warning here, I'm going to go, I'm going to Greek geek out on you this morning. So just you know, fasten those seatbelts down and um, dispel it like it sounds, alright? Hagios. Hagios, the Greek word hagios we see uh, translated in a couple of different ways. As saints, of course. But then also um, the word holy comes from the Greek word hagios. Um, the word sacred comes from the Greek word hagios. So it means something set apart. So we look at Paul's writings. The saints um, are the believers in Christ. That's what, how Paul defines the word saint, as believers in Christ. Um, in old church theology, Um, The saints are only in heaven. But according to the Bible, we saints are here on earth, are supposed to be active here on earth. The word saint is supposed to have activeness in it. Um, In the old church, the saint has to be canonized. You've heard that one. That's a big churchy term, right? Canonized. But that's not so. In the Bible, it says if you open your heart to Jesus and you trust him to to run your life, then you become the saint. You become a follower of Christ. You become a saint. So in conclusion, you, we, we, are the saints, the believers in Christ here in the church. You tracking so far? Say I'm tracking. All right. I'm really, you guys get get some more coffee or something in right? Now, okay, I I work with our youth group all the time. I see some of you guys out there. And I, shout out to Lisa yet again. All right. So I, I encourage questions from our youth group. And trust me, I get questions from our youth group. But the main question I always want them to ask are two words. And this is not to be facetious. This is not to be snarky about it. But I ask them to ask the two words, so what? I tell you that you are saints. You're, you're asking, your question, your, your thought of it should be so what? What does that mean? Or maybe if we want to say it a different way, we say that you are saints. You should say, and... Okay, so well, since you belong to Christ, that's what the definition of a saint is, you belong to Christ, you belong to part of God's kingdom, you you are a part of God's kingdom, then a lot of things open up to us. And what we want to talk about today is just like we put that word saint on a pedestal and we think it's for somebody else or somewhere else. A lot of times we think the promises that God makes to us and for us are off on some other distant shelf and off there for someone else or for someone else. But that's not the case. That's not what God says. He says, I am making promises to you. Not someone else. Well, yes, someone else too. But I am making those promises to you indirectly or directly. So I want to look at the book of Hebrews and shout out to brother Jeff Shulow for mentioning the book of Hebrews. Um, Actually, he didn't mention Hebrews, but um, a couple of days ago. It just got me thinking about this. And so this is what I want to share. This is what I think God has for us on what we call this All Saints Day. Okay, first I want to start in Hebrews 7. I want to talk about two verses there, uh, 24 and 25. This is kind of the intro to what we're going to be talking about here in a second. It says, but because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. Therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. Jesus is able to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. That word intercede can also be translated as intervene, right? He gets over there. He gets that, does that for us. Okay, so now with that as our backdrop, and by the way, um, I'd like you to take your bulletins home with you today because the Scriptures that we read today, that Lisa just read and the, the um, Gospel that we had, really meld together. I mean, don't just throw these off to the side. Actually, go home this afternoon and lay some of that out and let God speak to you in ways that you probably won't um, expect through Psalm 34 and especially Hebrews 4, uh, 4 through 16 that we're going to talk about here in a second. Okay, so now as we approach God in our prayer, like, um, like Becky talked about up here a second ago, as we approach God in our prayer, we need to keep a couple things in mind. For example, the way we approach God. How do we approach God? The way we approach God. I'm going to start in Hebrews 4.14. We're going to work our way through this. And like I said, I'm going to geek out on you here a little bit, so fasten up. It says this in verse 14. So then, since we have a great high priest that we just read a second ago in, in Hebrews 7, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. Okay, this is telling us that there is never a moment when Jesus isn't working for you a lot of negatives in that sense, so let me turn it around. Jesus is always working for you. Jesus is always working for you, for your victory, for your success. Your enemy, the devil, might try to tell you that you're alone in all this, alone in your walk of faith. But that's a lie. Jesus is aware of everything we face. He knows there are times when we're, what, physically exhausted. We're mentally exhausted and we're just at the end of what we can manage and muster, right? Jesus understands that. He understands that every um, emotion, every challenge, every temptation, he understands those in us because he has faced them himself. Kind of the been there, done that, got the t-shirt kind of thing. Let me say it like this. No one wants you to succeed more than Jesus does. No one wants you to succeed more than Jesus does. And that's not all. Okay, that's verse 14. Look at verse 15. Again, this high priest, right? Are you hearing the theme here, right? This high priest of ours understands our weakness, for he faced all the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. Okay, this understands our weakness is a Greek word that I can't really pronounce, so I'm not going to try to even do it. Understands our weakness. Uh, But this is where we get our word sympathizes, Jesus sympathizes with us. He has empathy for us because he can feel what we feel. He's been tempted just like you are tempted. He knows why we fail. He knows when we're going to fail. He understands your dilemma. He has experienced your problem. And he knows the temptation to get frustrated or to get upset or to just want to quit, just want to throw the whole thing in and forget it. Right? hiding a hole someplace. He gets it. And what he wants us to get is that you're not alone in this, no matter what the enemy says. So that's the way we approach God, we approach Christ, as our high priest, right? So now, what I really want to talk about this morning, though, is the manner in which we approach God, the manner in which we approach God, because it doesn't stop there. If you've ever felt well maybe I should say when you felt pressed into a hard place and didn't know what to do. And you try a lot of things on your own that just don't seem to work. In fact, a lot of times it just makes the matter worse. My suggestion is that you maybe try living into the promises that God says. Still looking at 15, but let's look at verse 16. This is the manner of us approaching God. This is how saints, believers in Christ, approach God. Sometimes we think God is so far off from us and unapproachable, or maybe for somebody else it has got the magic words or has been through the right classes and done the right things, right? Just like that saint thing over there on some pedestal somewhere. don't quite understand it exactly, but it sure doesn't fall into my category, right? We think the same thing about approaching God. Doesn't really fall into my category. I'm not worthy of it, Right? And a lot of what I just said is true, but what is absolutely true, though, is that you are a saint. You are a believer in Christ. And God says, when you believe who I am and what I do, come boldly to the throne, right? Come boldly to the throne. Tried a lot of things. He says this, uh, Paul or, well, says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Okay. Highlighted a couple words here. Thank you, Brayden. Boldly. Okay, so like I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Greek out on you, geek out on you here. Um, this is a word that kind of loses some meaning in translation. I say it a lot. It's almost impossible. I don't know if you've ever tried this, but to try to translate something from one language to another, it's really tough to do. Anything that you're talking about. This is one of the words that loses a lot in its translation. So this word, this Greek word, actually means freedom of speech. Or one who does this. I'm reading right out of the Greek dictionary. Straight, one who speaks straightforwardly and with great confidence. Are you getting this? Right? How are we supposed to th- approach the throne of God? With freedom of speech, right? Straightforwardly with great confidence. When's the last time you approached God with great confidence? Or do we do it with a little bit of a timidness and, and, and a just, oh, if you, you got time for it? No, with great confidence. God, here, is the deal. God wants to hear exactly what you want to say. Don't be ashamed to speak what's on your mind and what's on your hearts. He wants to hear that. Not being flippant, not being disrespectful, not being saucy, but tell him. This says we don't need to fear being too frank, too bold, too honest, too blunt. That means when life isn't working the way I'm expecting it to and I'm between a rock and a hard place, I can go to God and say, I'm between a rock and a hard place and I need your help. And this says right here that I can come boldly before that throne. And it says back here that you have a high priest and you're here for me all the time and you face the same same test. We can start praying some of that stuff back to him. Yes, we're going to do it when we celebrate too. We're going to do it when we praise him. Absolutely. But don't be shy. Don't be timid. Right? To go and say these things to him. So that's the manner of approaching God. Now, the need for approaching God, right? What's the need for approaching God? This is where it gets really cool. Because we're all in need of God's mercy, we are all in need of God's grace. Can I get an amen to any of that? We really uh, meted that out last week on Reformation Sunday. Talked about God's mercy, God's grace, God's justice. We talked about the differences and how we need each of them in our lives. When we say we need God's mercy, God's grace. Some of us think, man, we need it more than others, right? But he says this. Come to the throne of grace, right? Let's see if I can find it here on my sheets. Come, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive what? There we will receive What? His mercy, right? Again, this is a, a word that gets lost in translation, this word receive. This word receive means um, obtain, might be a better word. But it, it, it goes beyond that. It means to seize something or to lay hold of something. To seize something, to lay hold of something in order to make it your own. That's straight out of the Greek dictionary. Right? So when we say receive, it seems kind of passive, doesn't it? Sounds like you're just handed something set in your lap, right? That's not what this says. It says go boldly, right? To the throne of God. There we will seize, we will lay hold of his mercy, of his grace to make it our own. Not somebody else's off in the distance, not some mystery, not some no, he says come and get it. It's laying right here. Laying right here, pick it up, grab it, bring it home. It can also mean a a person who greatly receives something that is freely and easily given. God's grace and God's mercy is freely and easily given. It's our inability to accept it that gets that barrier in the way. Our unwillingness, like we think we're not worthy, and bottom line is, yeah, we're not worthy. But God says, I have it for you anyway. Grab it, lay hold of it, make it your own. Because how easily we receive um, something from God really is, is really determined by our own personal circumstances, our own personal inward struggles that affect the willingness or the ease of which you'll go and accept God's help. Your mind is tormented, right? You feel the world pressing hard up against you. It might be then might be more difficult for you to receive God's grace and God's mercy. Because it's difficult to see um, that Jesus has given it to you. Because it's difficult to focus on what he's trying to give us um, when life is a mess and things are going all over the place. External forces are pulling you one way or the other, countless different directions. So what's it take? It takes a deliberate act on your part. It takes a deliberate act on your part to shove those things aside. Reach out and lay hold of the mercy that God is offering you, that Jesus is offering you. Lay hold of it. Make it your own. Make it a part of your life. My question to us is, why are we so unwilling to receive, to lay hold of his mercy? heard one person say it like this, you know, if you're out in in the water, you know, you fell out of the boat, there's waves crashing all over you, somebody throws you a life preserver, are you going to receive that life preserver, or are you going to grasp it with everything you've got? So when God throws his mercy as a lifeline, seize it, lay hold of it in order to make it your own. But don't stop there, because that's just the beginning (laughs) Because when we go boldly before the throne, when we lay hold of his mercy, it's the last part that we will do. And we will find what? Find grace. We will find what? We will find grace to help us when we need it most. (laughs) I think, when we need it most, isn't that all the time that we need it most, right? Find his grace. God's word expresses the idea of discovery here in this word find. Um, A discovery that's made by searching, by investigating, like a scientific study, a scholarly research, something that's intentional, not something left to chance. Something intentional, not something left to chance. We will find his grace. That's why we talked about seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. Ask and you will be given, right? Right? When we find that's, by, that's a, an active thing that we're doing, not left to chance. It's the Greek word, um, heurisco. Everybody say it with me. Heurisco. We're going to do it till everybody says it. Heurisco. And you've got to emphasize the re. Heurisco. Does it sound like anything yet? This is where we get our English word, eureka. This is where we get the word eureka, when they, they shout, when they find something that they've been looking for, right? Something they've been looking for for a long time. And look at that last part, when we need it most. Again, isn't that all the time? Okay, let me land the plane for you. So we talk, started talking about defining some terms here, defining the term saint, right? And I guarantee 90% of us have walked in the door said a saint is somebody up on a pedestal somewhere off in the distance, somewhere made out of marble. That's not what the Bible tells us. Believers in Christ, followers of Christ, are the saints. And like I said in the New Testament, 60 some odd times, 64 times, every time it's plural. The saints who are at Ephesus, the saints who are at Philippi seems kind of distant, though, but now we got to own that. And it's the same thing with God's grace. It's the same thing with God's mercy. It's the same same thing with the things that God has in store for us. He says, these are for you. He says, lay hold of them. Make them your own. My question again for us is, what's keeping us from doing that? Maybe you've known about God for a long time. But somehow he's always seemed, you know, off in the distance for someone else. But Paul, what's the first thing he says in verse verse 16? Let us. That's you. That's me. Let us come to the glory of God. Go boldly to the throne of God. Why? Because your Savior is standing there waiting for you. And here's the thing. Don't worry about who you think you are. All that matters is who God says you are. We talked about that in a series we had a little while ago called Identity. All that matters is who God says you are. And He says you are His. He says you belong to Him. He says He created you for Himself. So the question is what's holding you back? Maybe there's something holding you back, you're not even sure what it is. And so we ask him, help us dump that out of our lives, help us get rid of that. And if that's you right now, and it's probably all of us on some level or another, not willingly accepting God's grace, not willingly seeking it, actively seeking it, finding it and shouting Eureka, there's something holding us back. So let's stand as we pray so, Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, um, we're trying to come to you boldly in the needs that we're facing um, in life right now. If we're completely honest, we would have to admit that we lacked, maybe present tense, lack confidence or have lacked confidence and um, failed to be straightforward about them with you but maybe after hearing your words this morning we understand a little bit better that you want us to be direct and bold about challenges we are facing so we thank you for stepping in as that high priest that mighty warrior that will fight these challenges with us I thank you for being by our our side, by my side, by our side, by our uh, leading us in front of us and through us. Yeah, thank you for being on our side. I pray that we're on your side. So let's continue um, <clears throat> let's continue to worship as we um, confess what we believe in the words of the Apostles' Creed.